Sustaining Creativity Podcast. I'm your host, Mari Reesberg. Over the past several years, I've combined my degrees in acting and somatic psychology to share my sustaining creativity techniques with performers. And now I've decided to share it with a bigger audience that includes you. I believe we are all creative and this podcast is all about that. I'll be interviewing people from all backgrounds, ages, and creativity experiences to share just how creative we all are. Today, I'll be chatting with author Neil Mack. Please enjoy Neil Mack. Welcome to the Sustaining Creativity Podcast. Today, I am here with Neil Mack, author. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Ever so nice to be here. I'm super excited to chat with you about creativity. You seem to have such a unique life adventure happening. <laughs> and I'm sure you'll, you know, sprinkle in some adventures for us while we chat. But if you could just take a couple of minutes and let our listeners know a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Yeah, thank you. Well, um, I'm a granddad. <laughs> so that's the start. Um, but um, so I was born in the 1950s, in the time when rock and roll first started. And when I went to school, uh, only at the age of about five, I was immediately pushed into the world of ballet dancing and tap dancing and shows. And I went on stage in the, uh, the West End. And because of that, I, I, it looked as if I was going to go into show business. Um, all of my friends were ladies and girls because the teachers at the um, show, um, the stage school I was in were all women. Um, and uh, I was brought up with three sisters. My dad wasn't really around very much. And um, but having said all that, um, it, even though it looked like I was going to go that direction, I eventually went into the police service, the London police, um, where I worked for, for a whole 30, over 35 years. So I spent all of my uh, working life as a frontline police officer in lots of detective type roles, um, catching crimp baddies all the way through my whole service. But I always wanted to uh, dedicate a bit of my life to art. I was specifically interested in literature. So I studied literature at the Open University, which is a free university in this country, in mm -hmm. England, and um, went through to a degree level there. Um, and I started writing some um, assignments for them they seem to be going very well and as a result of all of that stuff um towards the end of my career I thought I'd got to go into um being an author uh, author entrepreneur really and that mm -hmm. meant that you'd have to bring out a book after book after book after book because the only way you can really make any money in the <laughs> authoring business is by keep publishing yeah. so I normally publish I always write I've had one on the go which I'm writing I have one which has been edited and I have one which is in the marketing and so you always have three books on the go so at the, currently I've got 14 books on Amazon so that's the kind of level that we're talking about nice I love it <laughs> very you know entrepreneurial and <laughs> you have all, all, a lot of pieces in in the works and so you're constantly yeah. working and creating that's what you've got to do yeah. yeah I love it well when you think about creativity what does it mean to you to be creative well 
it's it's about just playing. I like just the idea of simple-hearted play, and that all started. And um, this helps really to understand me a bit more. When I was a little boy, growing up in South London, I used to have a um, there was a street lamp outside our house which had buttons on it i think it was the control light or something but anyway next to it was a, a drain cover and i used to stand on the drain cover press the buttons and and i imagined it was a space elevator and it could take me to anywhere in space or time or any planet or anywhere i wanted to go and all my friends up and down the street which were all girls always wanted to stand on the uh, drain and go with me to these places <laughs> and we did this every single day um it wasn't until about uh, three or four months into this game one day I couldn't do it because I had to go and do my ballet classes when I came back um, one of my little friends was crying I said what's the problem she goes well we and the other girls came to the drain and we pressed the buttons exactly as you do but it didn't go anywhere it didn't travel to these places you have to be there for for the magic to happen that's when and so I was only five but that's when I realized that some people have got imagination and creativity and some people haven't and you need to be there to make it happen for other people. So that's why I think that playing and imagination and creativity go together. You know, I've yeah. always wanted, I've always wanted to play. And the reason I wanted to play is because I love humanity. I like society so much and I want to help. And mm -hmm. I think that is part of the creative process. If you want to help and you want to play, then I think that you can improve the society that you see around you but of course the other thing that i learned when i was five at that moment was to empathize with other people because empathy is hugely important as well if you can't visualize how other people feel yeah. how can you be a creative person so i think that's another part that's another to me another strand to it is that you want to help you want to empathize and i suppose you have to face the truth which is that you are going to fail sometimes so I always think that you have to you have to face failure and you have to embrace failure even certainly in writing you know, in writing creativity but in any type of creativity you know if you I always remember when I was a tiny boy they told us to draw a picture of a frog and uh, I had seen a frog before so I tried my best and it looked horrible it looked like a black black or brown blob on the paper <laughs> uh -huh. so I turned the paper in those days you couldn't have to do much paper so I turned the paper over and said could I have another go so it still looked like a brown blob but when I looked at everybody else's they had cartoon frogs but my frog was a real frog that I wanted to be a real frog you know and I always yeah. remember I took, screwed the paper out and I threw it away and I was so annoyed because I couldn't translate what was in my mind to what was on the paper. Mm -hmm. Now, if I had a good teacher that day, that teacher could have said, actually, your one is the best because it's your true you know, recognition of a frog. Right. So, but, but I think I learned then at that stage that um, you've got to fail to be better. Yeah. I mean, if they asked me to do it today, if you said to me now, right, now I'm going to, I probably would do the same thing, a brown blob, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> that's what yeah. a frog looks like to me. <laughs> sure. I mean, I love that you bring up failure and it sounds like you've learned a lot through failing and growing and you can take to. the failure and transform it into the next thing that you're going to do. I'm so curious when you in your kind of adult life come up against challenges, what are some of the creative challenges that you have come up against and how do you navigate them? Yeah, I mean... So in the police service, um, you have to do everything very strictly and it's obviously uh, you have to go by the law. And um, I found that 
when I worked with uh, lots of other detectives and we went to a crime scene, for example, and you were looking up for a whole load of clues, some people were really good at memorising things, So some people were really good at um, noticing things, other people were really good at, at noting them down. But what I could do was say, why? What I could do the what-if questions. Hold a second, what if the suspect did this? What if the suspect did that? And I remember people saying to me, Why, how, can we, how can we not do that? And it's because I was able, number one, the empathy again, but number two, I could see the future. You could kind of, it's difficult to explain, but because you're using different perspectives, you can actually yeah. see see beyond what other people can see because they're quite, yeah, they're quite insular in, their, in themselves. So that mm-hmm. certainly helped. Yeah. But um, these days, <clears throat> excuse me, I... Um, so um, part of my sort of like fun, really, because I try to do things which are not related to writing. I work in the mu- I work in a museum as a facilitator. So when people come in, but yeah. I've recently um, been working with a whole group of students, about six or seven students, and we're looking at the all of the glass cases again. So when you walk into a museum, you see these glass cases, and you've got all of the beautiful exhibits, the artifacts behind the glass cases. It suddenly occurred to me that how do you see those things if you're in a wheelchair? or a pushchair and in fact what if you're a short person what if you're a small person how do you see these things so I uh, so I've got this group of students in and we're working now on a project to actually be able to at least audibly explain what's in that cabinet so that a person can come in take a photograph a QR code and they will get the information so it come up on their phone so even though they're there in front of the artifact they can get a bit more information and it will come across as an audible Sound. So it's that kind of thing where you're trying to use things outside the box to, yeah. to, to help, going back to helping society and, and empathising with other people. That's fantastic. I, I mean, thinking outside the box to see in the box. With oh, yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> I thought that, but that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> but it sounds like you have such curiosity to ask those questions, the why questions, the what if questions. And I've learned over the years that we as adults stop asking questions at a certain age, but children ask so many questions. What do you think has helped you continue to be curious and keep asking questions into adulthood? That's a really good, well, I'm just immature. It's very (laughs) obvious. (laughs) I mean, that, uh, you're absolutely right. Um, it's been proven, hasn't it, that um, education, actually, uh, it, the, the formal education we have, actually educates you out of creativity. Because yes. what we have to have, what we have to be as um, effective humans, according to society, is we have to know some information, knowledge, and it's all about learning that information, and that's it. That's yeah. why we get tested on knowledge. We don't get tested on creativity. Um, but if you're somebody who really wants to play all the time which is me I don't really <laughs> want to do I don't, <laughs> and I've never grown out of pressing those buttons on that um, lamppost to try to go to different places um, and another thing that a lot of uh, authors have on us and I'm anywhere as good as Tolkien or C.S. Lewis but they had a thing called a paracosm I don't know if you've ever come across that word before p-a-r-a-c-o-s-m and it's a, a, a world inside your mind the Bronfries oh. The Brontes had it as well. And you can go into that world whenever you want and have a look around and see how it, and it's a place where you can feel calm. I think that's helped me, you know, obviously, as you can picture, I was on the front line in in police in in very busy areas. I've been shot at, stabbed and things like that. But if I can help 
myself. I can go into my paracosm later and just relax inside this um, other world. That is part of the playing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that um, a, an ordinary member of society would say, yeah, well, you haven't grown up and you're immature. I would like to say that I think playing and entering my paracosmic world every now and again has helped me develop my perspective in a, in a unique way. Absolutely. And and they've done studies that people who are using creativity in their life in well into adulthood actually live longer and have more oh. joy. So so there we well, go. That's nice to hear. I'm, there's certainly uh, a certain truth to um, having more joy because you know, if you're constantly curious, then everything is exciting, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> you know, when I look at my grandchildren and I see them and they're asking questions all the time about every single thing, it doesn't matter what it is, yeah. they're asking <laughs> questions and they're this sponge for information. Well, that's really what you have to be if you want to be a successful writer. So if anybody's listening to this who wants to be a successful writer, that's the kind of mind you need to have, constantly questioning, mm -hmm. constantly asking. And obviously your job as a writer is then to interpret those things and see if you can actually put a, them into a story. Right. I love all of this. I mean, great <laughs> tips to continue <laughs> to keep that imagination and play and curiosity alive to do the things you want to do. When you think of more kind of everyday life, you know, waking up, getting dressed, cooking a meal, <laughs> driving, yeah. what are some of the everyday challenges that you have used creativity to solve? Well, I, I do do uh, cooking. So uh, to take my mind off of writing, I have to do cooking. And <laughs> what I try to do, you know, this whole thing about embracing failure, is I try to go out of my comfort zone. So I often will cook something from a completely different cuisine. Mm. So for, for Asian uh, cuisine or North African cuisine. And also, this is this is a typical example of being stupid and being in, in you know emotionally <laughs> immature, is I will <laughs> I will cut down on the um equipment that I need. So I went through a whole phase of only making stuff in a microwave. Then I went through a whole phase for a couple of weeks of only making stuff in a slow cooker. I don't know if you have a slow cooker, but yeah. a very, very slow. If I made bread, cakes, um, roasted <laughs> dinners. Made, yeah. and so what I'm trying to do is squeeze um, ideas into something and then see what happens as a result. Yeah. And the other thing is, I think an important part of creativity is to mix and match and to mm -hmm. ask questions which are outside the norm, the norm. So I will purposely put the wrong ingredient in something and see what happens and see what happens. <laughs> and you could take that further, couldn't you? You could say that I purposely take the wrong ingredient in everything. Yeah, oh. not just in cooking. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could do that. And see what happens. Be surprised happens. by it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think. So much creativity comes alive when we give it some boundaries. So when you say, I'm only going to use the microwave or I'm only going to use the slow cooker, yeah. you have to actually flex more creativity to get the desired outcome or yeah. and you enjoy the process in a different way yeah. than if you had all of the things available to you. It's like looking through a microscope and, you know, you're mm. closing down. I saw this, um, they've been having a, um, so they, they might have had it in your country, but they had this um, documentary about submarine 
life and they're real people and they were and they have a tiny tiny only as big as this desk is their kitchen and they have to cook for a hundred people and they and the captain of this boat said um we don't have obviously um we're not allowed to have mobile phones we don't obviously don't have sex we don't <laughs> we're not allowed to smoke drugs or, any, or do anything like that so all we have left the only pleasure is food so we expect that little kitchen which is as big as a desk to do five good different types of meal a day and that's what made me think well if they can do that in a tiny 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 kitchen in a submarine then I can do it in a microwave or in a slow cooker because it yeah. because the stuff they were creating was fantastic you know gattos and oh wow dinners and that sort of stuff and you're thinking how if I do that I can do it so yeah nice I mean I think that the inspiration that you're getting from that but then there's a sense of confidence that comes with it or a willingness to fail because it could go horribly wrong or it could be amazing where do you think that willingness to try something and it to not go well comes from (laughs) excellent excellent question I love that yeah the willingness to fail means that you have failed and I suppose therefore you must have built up resilience Mm -hmm. to come back my I remember when I the first thing I ever I wrote which um had a public audience was was I was 10 I wrote a poem about autumn and instead of it being um yeah the normal thing or beautiful leaves and gold and brown I actually thought about death and about and about the fact that that autumn is a closing it's closing it's a part of a closing but I suppose that closing brings about renewal but I was only 10 it was such a uh, well-received poem that they read it out in assembly and I remember being so pleased with it and they got a gold star took it home and showed my mum and my mum said don't ever steal other people's work it's a sin to steal other people's work and I said no I wrote this and she goes don't lie that's another sin so, so she didn't believe that I wrote this and that suddenly occurred to me that um, she would never understand that I that those things were inside my mind and, that, and I was able yeah. to explain, explain it to other people so it meant that I had to be a bit more careful about my creativity yeah mm-hmm. and not use it the way that a normal person would do. She was pleased when I did a dance properly or you know, did a tap dance properly or got into a show, but wasn't yeah. pleased about, about that. So I think that um, that kind of resilience, you you have to learn. You, you get yeah. slapped down and you pick yourself up because that was the only thing you can do. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you just stay at the bottom. And I think right. once you pick yourself up, then I think then uh, you can deal in a renewed, reinvigorated way to get on and and try again. Now, my middle name is Bruce. Uh, It's a Scottish, so my name is Neil Bruce Mack, so it's a Scottish name. But Bruce, I don't know if you heard about him, but he was a king of the Scots, and he um, met a spider, and the spider kept trying to make the same web over and over and over again. And he said, I can be like a spider. I can try, try, try again. I I mean, what a great reminder. We see it in nature happen all the time. How can we emulate that in our own life? I mean, it sounds like you have had a lot of practice in trying things and learning and growing. For someone who may not think that they are creative, how would you encourage them to find creativity in their life? I think that they should. uh, So we've talked about exposing yourself to risk and failure, but also expose yourself to play. So if they have never tried to play, how do they know whether they'll enjoy it? So Uh go on uh, a a shopping site and 
buy some stuff which is popular, you know, pipe cleaners and stickers <laughs> and and beads. Just and get some stuff and see if you like playing and see if you like creating. People say to me, oh, I could never write a book, or I could never write a poem, I could never paint a picture. And then I see them on Facebook using Le Lego. Oh, well, you yeah. know, Lego is a creative uh, play. You know, mm -hmm. they, they can be creative if they want to. They just need to open their mind a little bit, and then I think they'll find that they can be as creative as anybody else. But, you know, society, as we've said, is against you. Society is telling you not to play. That A creative person is wasting everybody's time. That's right. that's. That came across very strongly when I was you know, growing up and I was in the sort of like dance type situation. People always used to say that they will never, you know, the society will never like creative people. And they don't. They, they seem not to. Because mm -hmm. you're not a consumer, are you? You are uh, you are contributing all the time. You're not right. consuming anything. So I think that um, people who think they're not creative, they need to step out of that, set, step out of what society expects of them and instead, mm. instead, please themselves. And yeah. I think one way to do that is to learn to play again. Learn to play, learn to ask questions, and learn to empathize with your know, common man. Oh, I love it. I mean, <laughs> challenging to do sometimes, but a great yeah. list to aspire to. And yeah, well, work it's, aspir forward. it's aspirational. Yeah. <laughs> it is aspirational. I love it. It has been such a treat to chat with you. I just have one last question. What does it feel like in your body to be creative? I wake up excited to get on with the rest of the day. I, um, I'm i still excited now, even though I'm talking to you just before midnight, having <laughs> woken up this morning at five o'clock to start creativity. Oh I, t I tingle talking to you. I tingle just thinking about the things that I can do after this. And so it's a, a, it's a surge of energy that goes through me I think you have to look after yourself I do care for myself mm -hmm. I think that's possibly another thing we didn't touch about self-love but we do have to actually care for ourselves yeah um and I know when when I'm the most creative that's the other thing that's my other little tip by the way if you don't get up at five o'clock how do you know that it's not your your best time you know right. if you only get up at 10 o'clock and you stay on the sofa till midday you might have missed your creative time but yeah <laughs> so that's how I feel I feel Going back to what you said about people live longer, maybe that's the reason because I have a reason to get up. Yeah, yeah. I love it. How beautiful. It's <laughs> inspiring to hear you talk about it and to experience the tingles of having a conversation about creativity as well. So thank you so much. Thank you. If, if people want to get your books or learn more about the things that you do, how could they go about doing that? Oh well, thank you for asking. Um, if they want to get my books, I'm I love Amazon. I'm not a, a person who um, is against Amazon. So if you just go and type in N E I L Neil Mac M A C H into Amazon and search for me as an author, and you can see all my books there. If you want to look at me on Instagram, I've got a lot of followers on Instagram. It's just Neil Mac N E I L M A C H, and I've got lots of followers on Twitter as well. And I'm always posting on those too. Perfect. I'll put all of this in show notes so people have easy access. And thank you again so much for chatting with me. It's been a pure delight. Thank you very much. It's been lovely to be here. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for listening to the Sustaining Creativity Podcast. 
We'd love to keep in touch. So follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Sustaining Creativity. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Tag your friends and family so they can listen too. We love to hear from you. So leave your reviews, comments, and questions. Check out our website, sustainingcreativity.com for upcoming offerings and creativity coaching. Tune in Tuesdays for our next episode. And remember, with creativity, anything's possible.